Hey, I'm Jamie Younger. Welcome to If You Knew Me, a podcast where we share powerful stories from the inner lives of women. Our mission at If You Knew Me is to improve women's well-being through the power of story. We believe that when women share and document their experiences, they acknowledge their realities, their dreams, and their needs. All of that culminates into improved well-being. If you're new to the show, welcome. And if you've been listening for a while, welcome as well. Today, we have a special episode. Every once in a while, we reconnect with a woman who was previously on the show. It's a series that we're calling Where She Is Now. Today, Carrie Jones is with us again to share what's happened in her life since she bravely told her story on the show almost exactly one year ago. We published Carrie's original episode on August 4th, 2022. It was titled Living with Lipedema. When we spoke, Carrie was dealing with a new diagnosis for a condition called lipedema. Lipedema is not that well known, although it's relatively common, especially in women. It causes abnormal fat buildup in the lower part of a person's body. It can cause pain and make daily activities difficult. Lipedema doesn't respond to diet and exercise like ordinary fat. Although there isn't a cure for lipedema, treatments can help. At the time of our recording, Carrie had done some plastic surgery, which was recommended for her. Our normal episodes are first-person storytelling, so usually you'll hear a woman tell her story in her own words, and you won't hear my voice at all. In this series, unlike our regular episodes, it's a conversation. So I want to welcome Carrie Jones back to the show. Thanks so much for joining us again, Carrie. Hi, of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I was wondering if you could talk about, just to briefly recap the situation that you were in a year ago when we spoke, what was happening and the decision that you were considering making at that time. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's see. It's late June now. Late June last year, I was scheduling my first treatment for my legs. I had my arms treated a couple months ago and was probably still in compression garments or maybe had just come out of compression garments. After treatment, you are required or highly encouraged to wear compression garments for two whole months, 24 hours a day. You don't take them off to shower. You don't take them off to get sun or to go to a party. Like under no circumstance, you don't take them off to sleep. So they're these incredibly tight compression garments and they help the skin reform, regrow nerve and connective tissue tightly to the muscles and bones and fascia that, you know, there's been disruption there via the cannula grabbing out the diseased tissue. And so the compression garments help everything heal nice and tight and know what to do and have that like leave of protection for two months. So mid to late June last year, that was, arms were kind of behind me. They treat arms. Not everyone with lipedema has arms included, but a lot of women do, especially like later stage, like maybe stage one is just legs, but maybe stage two is starting to include arms. I was diagnosed by three separate people and all of them said that I had arms included. They do arms in one session. So arms were behind me and I had my 
first leg session scheduled for like a month out. I think it was late July. So how they do legs is instead of doing the entire both legs in one session, that's way too much surface area. So they do the insides and the top in one session and the outsides and the back in a second session, one month after the first session. So I had my first session scheduled for late July and my second session scheduled for late August. You wear the compression for three months from the date of legs one, because you still need that full two months after legs two. (laughs) So basically the entirety of last summer, I was wearing dark black, full body stocking that is just so tight and uh, very hot. So you had had essentially a plastic surgery done specifically designed for this condition in order to remove the diseased fat cells. And this is what was taken out. So the compression garments were to help the rest of the body come back together and heal. Is that accurate? The compression garments are worn to allow the areas that have been treated, the areas that have had the sort of liposuction procedure done to them to heal. Basically what happens is the cannula is inserted in little holes that they make, little slices that they make in your skin, and inserted all around. It's like this long, skinny, maybe like a pencil um, diameter circumference. And it's longer than a pencil. I don't watch while they're doing it, but I think there's some give and it can kind of come out mostly and then go all the way in and it bends. And so this thing is inserted over and over and over and it vibrates and it can squirt out stuff or it can suck in stuff. So that happens over and over and over all across the entire length of your legs. So it is disrupting. It is disconnecting the nerves and the sort of skin from the rest of the leg because that's where the fat cells reside. And so you need to heal that. That's the healing process is your skin sort of reattaching and your nerves regrowing. Whereas traditional plastic surgery, my understanding, I don't know much about plastic surgery, but my understanding of traditional liposuction is it is not lymph sparing. And the procedure that was created to treat lipedema is lymph sparing. This is a lymph uh, and fat disorder. And it's still like being researched and learned more about every single year. At first, they just thought it was like about the lymph system, I believe. But then they realized it also has to do with some other systems in the body. Actually, I think maybe they just thought it was a fat disorder at first. Uh, and then realized that lymph is largely linked. The lymph system and, and fascia only have been talked about more in the last like 10, 20 years. So we're still like largely discovering the human body just as we are space and the sea. It's kind of philosophical to think about it like that. As within, so without. And it's all the macro and the micro. It's all the same. Um, our bodies are this vast like universe, this vast solar system and we're like, wait, whoa, what's that thing? What's that process? But yeah, the healing process that we undergo after this procedure, it does spare the lymph system. So that is 
not something that we have to heal necessarily, so far as I understand, but we do have to heal our nerves. They regrow. There's a lot of uh, numbness in the legs in the treated area for months after. I still have numbness now and it's been almost a year. So nerves are regrowing. I want to talk about and hear about what went on in your emotional system and your sense of self. And it's related to what was happening in your body, of course, but what was going on for you? Did you feel like you had made a good decision? Were you happy that you did it? Or did you sort of vacillate during those few months after going through the procedures and the intense healing stages? Oh, yeah. The procedures themselves were so excruciating and intense and traumatic that during them, I just kept telling myself, it'll be worth it. You know, you're doing this to help your body, removing this disease, you're removing it. You got an opportunity to remove it. You are so lucky. And it's hard right now. And then it's going to be over. You know, it's like I was in the treatment room for like six, seven hours when we were doing legs, both legs procedures. And then for maybe like two, three weeks, it is just ongoing extreme pain and swelling. And you're wearing these extremely tight compression garments that are, you know, limiting the swelling to some degree and keeping everything tight and together to heal. But it's just so uncomfortable. So during that time, I just kept kind of telling myself that same mantra. I never really thought about it. Sleeping is uncomfortable. Walking is uncomfortable. You can barely do anything. You can barely breathe. You might not love the results. You might not feel all that different. You know, I wasn't really seeing the negative sides or like even really letting my mind go there. And once the swelling went down after like the second or third week, it starts to go down little by little. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Then like maybe a month out, you're like, oh, is this my new body? And then like, it's still kind of going down a little bit. Um, the compression garments are so compressive that you're just seeing this slim silhouette and you're like excited and like, right. <laughs> it's like Spanx on steroids or something. Totally. Yes, exactly. When my arms were um, like just about to come out of the compression garments, I was like, oh my God, my arms look like they've never looked in my whole life. There's a slim line and they're like not jiggly, you know, but then you take the compression garment off and you realize they are containing less fat, but the skin that, you know, was always full to the brim of this tissue that has now been removed, the skin is still sort of there. It's still the same-ish. Yes, it was trained to heal as tight as it possibly could. But when you remove that much tissue in just like an afternoon, the skin, you know, it's not the same as like losing weight over months or years where the skin can like slowly, you know, remain tight the whole time and sort of just shrink and shrink and shrink. It's a tough demand placed on the body to like keep the skin tight. And so no one had really talked to me about that. Mm. I'd contacted a couple women who'd had the procedure done, strangers, and they were generous enough to share their experiences with me. And no one had mentioned this and maybe their skin was different than mine. You know, maybe they healed differently. There are so many bio-individual factors that 
correspond to how you heal. And maybe those women were younger, although one of them was in her 70s. And she was just like, yeah, I have skinny legs now. <laughs> I haven't had skinny legs my whole life. And now I do. So did you feel disappointed or sort of disheartened by the results? I guess I didn't know what to expect. And I knew I kept reiterating to myself that no matter what the visual results are, the medical results are that you now no longer have anywhere near as much disease tissue on your body. And that is going to help your joints. That is going to help your longevity, help your range of motion, uh, help your muscles to be able to grow. Because one of the things with lipedema is there's so much of this fat that can never shrink once it grows, sort of covering your muscles that no matter how much weightlifting you do, you kind of can't grow muscles. And I had experienced that for sure. Um, so I was just telling myself, whatever it looks like when you get out of compression, whatever it looks like as you continue to heal, which they say healing can happen for like the next year and beyond, you've done yourself a service, you know. Was I disappointed with the aesthetics? Again, I didn't really know what to expect. And I've had the body that I've had like since puberty. Really, truly, my body has not changed much since puberty. It was very tall and very curvy, like right when puberty hit. And that's when lipedema for me started. For most women, it starts at like hormonal abnormality times. So like puberty, when you give birth or when you go into menopause. So I didn't know what to expect. I was just like, let's get this treated and move on with my life. But of course I had hopes and fantasies about like what my body might look like post-op, you know? And yeah, it's not anything like my hopes or my fantasies. What were your fantasies? Oh, like Beyonce, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Lay it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like she's curvy and thick and luscious, but but toned and taut and lean. And of course, I'm still in the healing phase and I still am building my muscle back up. And like, because I had to rest and heal for so long, there was no weightlifting or exercising for like inside those two months. And then if you don't do anything for two months, you lose a lot. I've lost a lot of cardiovascular strength and a lot of muscular strength. So I'm just slowly building it back up. And she does insane the exercise routines to achieve that body. It's literally her full-time job. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, of course, that was my fantasy. That doesn't mean that I believed that it would be. But, um, but yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's what I wish it would have been. Yeah. So you shared with me prior to coming on today that you there was a part of your body that after you went through the procedures, after you went through some healing, you were still not pleased with. You felt like it hadn't been fully treated. Can you talk about that? Yeah. It felt like there had been a mistake made. It felt like there was an area that honestly, it felt like he took too much out. Too much of my fat cells were removed. And there was this sort of area that just seemed too small. <laughs> and the other side wasn't matching. And I sent him pictures because he always wanted pictures of anything that we were discussing because we live in different cities and are based a five-hour drive apart. He wanted to know as much as he could beyond just conversation, the details of what we're discussing. So he sent him pictures and he said he saw 
what I was talking about. And I reminded him that before we went in, I showed him on the photos that I felt my body was sort of asymmetrical, uneven in this particular area, and that he would need to kind of do more in this area. And I felt that maybe he didn't do more. Maybe he did the exact same amount on each side, forgetting that this side was sort of more full. And he said, yeah, like how I do these procedures is I make sure that I'm doing even on each side. And I remember the experience is very strange because you're laying there and the doctor and his assistant are like talking back and forth in ways that you're not understanding. But what the assistant is doing is like giving him numbers and those numbers correspond to like how much they've taken out, how much tissue they've taken out so that he is remembering how much they've taken out, how much they're going to take out and so that he can keep track of how to keep the symmetry, how to be even on both sides. So we had this conversation and he was so wonderful and lovely about it and in no way deflected responsibility, but also said, everyone heals differently. And it could be that something about your musculature or your fascia or your spine makes this eccentricity in your body and that you healed this way. He agreed that we could go back in and try again in this one little area and aspire to make it look more symmetrical. I was very clear that this was not aesthetic. It was the same type of procedure. It was a lymph sparing procedure. So it was appropriate for lipedema treatment, but it was in this area, it was sort of just a little aesthetic update that would make me feel more comfortable in my body, would make me feel I didn't have a deformity or something wrong with me. And that's what he wanted. And that's the goal of these treatments for him. He actually does perform plastic surgeries. He does do things for people that are not related to lipedema, but he expanded his business model in the last few years after studying with a doctor in Germany, I believe, who sort of spearheaded lipedema treatment at all and created this lymph-sparing liposuction technique. He studied with him and then brought it back to Spokane and is performing it there for lipedema patients. And he's booked out, man. People are really being diagnosed now and you have to wait several months to get in. Um, but nobody wanted to have this done in the summertime because you have to wear this black compression garment the entire summer. So I got in in just a few months because I was willing to do that. Normally, you're not able to be seen that quickly. Right. And how was it after that? Do you feel complete and happy with what's happened? Yeah, for me, I have the type of brain and heart that I'm a what ifer. So for me, if I didn't try everything that I could to treat this disease and move forward with my life, I would always wonder what if I had done that. And I don't want to be plagued by those worries and those wonderings. For me, even though the results are not spectacular aesthetically, I know that I have work that I can do to upgrade my muscle tone and my skin elasticity. And all of these things are still rebuilding. 
And I know that I'm still in the healing process. And I know that the aesthetics of my body can be, yeah, upgraded via my personal exercise routines, my diet, my hydration, all of the things that I'm really focusing on now. Uh, but I'm glad that I did everything. I'm glad that I did even the most recent update. I would have wondered what it would have been like if I hadn't. And I would have felt sort of silenced by not sharing with him that I felt that there was an issue. And I'm growing more and more into being comfortable sharing with others when I'm displeased with something. I think that women are really trained to just keep our mouths shut and go with the flow and not cause any waves. And for me, I did that for several months, just hoping like, oh, as I heal, it's going to get better. And it really didn't change getting out of the compression. It, it was that way and it stayed that way. And I finally wrote to them and they were receptive. And so we moved forward. I don't regret any of the procedures, if only for the peace of minds that I now have. I treated the disease. I have less of this diseased fat in my body, a lot less. And I feel a little freer and more hopeful and like there's more possibilities now for me in the future. And I mean, so much of this experience and concern has to do with the body and bodily health and one's longevity. And that's sort of the focus. And I'm wondering if other kinds of insights or reflections came to you inspired by all of this, but really has nothing to do with the body. Like, I mean, you just sort of shared one about being a bit more assertive in communicating your desires and your needs. Were there other things that came as like, let's say, hidden gifts in all of this? Well, honestly, the whole experience has made me feel closer to my partner. He has been very supportive through all of it. And I think he didn't know how to support me fully in the beginning. And I think he was really overwhelmed by the whole experience of me being in such excruciating pain in an ongoing way. And it was challenging for us in the beginning. And I had to really spell it out, like what I needed from him and what wasn't helpful. And it helped me become more comfortable sharing my needs to my partner. And it helped him learn me and what kind of support is helpful for me and what he can do in those situations. So that like each time, the first time I went to Spokane with a friend and the second and third times for legs procedures, I went with Kyle, my partner, and um, he just got better and better over time, understanding what I needed and what he could do. And then when I just went back recently, even better still. So that was kind of a hidden gift. Um, we're kind of new in our love. We've been together for a year and a half. And this, I shared with him my diagnosis, maybe like a couple weeks into knowing him. And, you know, he told me he supported whatever decision I made regarding my treatment. We both are sort of not plastic surgery people. Like I've had nothing done and I, I don't plan to. I'm not that type of girl, I guess. Um, and he doesn't really go for those types of girls. But because this was medical necessity and treatment of a disease, I came to a place where I felt comfortable accepting that this was like the right thing to do for me. 
And he was very non-judgmental about it. So that was a really sweet and unexpected thing. You know, when you go through something traumatic with your partner, it can break the relationship depending on how everybody reacts. But it definitely made us stronger. So that was delightful and very happy to have gone through this with him by my side. And he definitely made the experience more palatable. I also think that because I've chosen not to have kids and Kyle and I feel that way together individually, but also as a partnership, as a team, there's this very well-known, you know, pain that women go through to birth children. And it's sort of, I think, a rite of passage that a lot of women experience and then like share together. Obviously, a birth story is very specific, but this level of pain that I knew I would never experience. And I just sort of wondered like what my kind of pain tolerance is and wonder what I'm capable of doing. And sure, I'd like broken my wrist, you know, and stayed in the emergency room all through the night because there were like gunshot victims there and stuff. And I was like last on the the doctor's list in terms of like priority. Didn't even get like a Tylenol for like several hours. Didn't get an ice pack for several hours. Just an absolutely unbelievable experience. That was very painful. But these procedures were a level of pain that I've never experienced, never knew it was possible. Nerve pain, you know, ongoing nerve ripping. And the first two procedures I underwent without nitrous oxide. So all I had in my system was like a clonopin, like basically an anxiety pill. <laughs> no pain relief whatsoever. And I was awake. And it was just unbelievable. Like I can't express verbally how much pain I went through. And I did that. And so I think a hidden, unexpected result of these experiences was like, I have so much faith in myself and like admiration for myself to really go through anything pain-wise and come out on the other side, go through it, you know, not turn around or back out or say, I can't. I already knew what the pain was like and I kept going back until it was complete. And I'm really proud of myself for being able to do that. I think you should be. Thank you. You should be really proud. Is there anything that you want to share with us before we close today? Anything else? Well, I guess I just want to shout out Dr. Daniel Haggerty and his team at Premier Lipedema Clinic in Spokane. They really took care of me and they really did a great job. And, you know, this is a burgeoning like procedure. This is this science is being written like in real time now. And I don't feel that, you know, there was any wrongdoing. I feel in fact that, that they just did a beautiful job. They did their best. They all are so lovely there. And honestly, their prices are fairer than anywhere else in the nation, maybe even the world. And I really did do some research. They're not in it, you know, to gouge. And so I feel like Anyone that's listening to this or that's been diagnosed with lipedema and is interested in pursuing treatment, because obviously you don't have to, you don't have to undergo the pain. You don't have to wear compression garments for like the better part of a year to treat your whole body. 
Um, it's your choice. And if you choose not to, you are potentially choosing that you have more joint pain, you have more joint issues, arthritis potentially, you know, many women end up with canes and walkers and wheelchairs, but it might not happen like that. Again, bioindividuality, everyone's different. But if you do choose treatment, I would recommend Dr. Haggerty. It isn't perfect and it isn't aesthetic. It's about treating the disease. But I would say overall, I'm comfortable in my body and I'm happy with where I am and I'm excited and hopeful about where I'm going to be. Thank you so much, Carrie Jones. Thank you so much, Jamie Younger. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. Carrie Jones is a private chef who focuses on comforting, nourishing, local and organic food that heals the mind, body and soul. She offers weekly meal delivery and also event catering in the Pacific Northwest. Links to follow Carrie and learn more about her are in the show notes. If you appreciate what we're doing here by documenting women's true stories in this first-person, real way, I invite you to join us on Patreon. We have six tiers of support, and each comes with its own perks. Just check out the Patreon link in the show notes and join us. This episode and all of our work is supported by our League of Women. League members include Freda Hertz-Brown, Carrie Ahern, Christine Shook, Sister Monica Clare, Don Rood, Elizabeth Doerr, Kara Pass, and Karen McNeil. This podcast is produced by me, Jamie Younger, and my husband, Pete Herkmans. Thanks so much for listening to If You Knew Me. We'll be back with you at the beginning of August. Thank you.